Next on BYU Sports Nation, the risk-reward of independence. One national writer thinks it's working for BYU football. What about all of you? Where does Athlon Sports rank BYU's Kalani Satake in its new rankings of all 130 Division I coaches? Jacob Brugman and his Oakland A's keep on winning. The top 10 defenses BYU football will face this season and Pepsi Gate for Utah and BYU. Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. What's up? Wednesday, June 28th. Wherever and however you have chosen to dial in, it's great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with Crystal Clear Pepsi spokesperson, Jerem Jordan. I don't think I've ever had it. You've never had Crystal Clear Pepsi? No, but maybe I'll wander up to the University of Utah and have a Pepsi that has no royal blue on its can soon. <laughs> can you believe that? That's the latest from it's the It's in deal. the contract. Pepsi signs on with the University of Utah, and they want limited blue. Now, there was a spokesperson for the University of Utah that said, well, it doesn't really have anything to do with BYU. Come on. How does it not? Come on. Really? How does it not? (laughs) If BYU, and I hope one, I don't know what I want more, Coke on campus or a Power 5 invite. If BYU was like, we can't have red cans. Obviously, that's an ode to one school up north. Come on. Oh, Boney so Fuller good. had a fantastic tweet yesterday yes, in reference so to good. this. I particularly like the earring hanging down at the end of said gif. Hey, Boney's going to Boney, you know? <laughs> oh, By the way, can you get Crystal Clear Pepsi anywhere? Anywhere? Does that even exist? You're asking the wrong guy. I felt like, well, you're the spokesperson, right? Yeah, I bet somebody has it online for sale, right? Somebody has crystal clear Pepsi out there. Now, whether or not you dare drink that because it's like 20 years old or 15 years old, that's up to you. (laughs) That would be one flat (laughs) soda, I'll tell you that. Solid show today. We will chat with men's volleyball coach Sean Olmstead after his recruiting class was ranked in the top five by Volleyball Magazine last week and men's head soccer coach Brandon Gilliam. Why is this weekend such a big weekend for BYU men's soccer? And what's the connection with the World University Games for the Cougars in men's soccer. That's all coming up a little bit later. For now, bring on the headlines. It's your BYU Sports Nation headline. Athlon Sports ranked all 130 coaches in Division I college football. Kalani Sataki comes in at... Drum roll, please. That was a terrible drum roll. There we go. Maybe it never ends. You should just tell everybody. Okay, okay, it's number 70. <laughs> that took way too long. I'm like, why is it taking so long? We don't have all day. Kalani like Sataki get in a Power 5 conference Comes already. in at number 70, and some of you are like, 70? How is he not at least in the top half? That's actually up from last year by a, quite a few spots. 11. Yes. And speaking of. One year. It's been one year. 11 spots up. Kalani Sataki is ahead of new LSU head coach Ed Orgeron, who is at Kalani's spot Last year, number 81. Boise State's Brian Harson, 54th. Paul Christ of Wisconsin at number 31. Mississippi State's Dan Mullen at 19. And Kyle Whittingham, heard of him? Number 15 in the list. Speaking of Pepsi, Jacob Brugman went one for three with the single and a 6-4 Oakland A's win over the Houston Astros. Brennan Lunn 
keeping on the baseball train. Had a day on the diamond going two for five with a home run, two runs, three runs batted in, and a walk in an Inland Empire 66ers victory over the Lancaster Jethawks. The home run, Brennan's second on the season. And BYU women's volleyball outside hitter and one of the greatest Copperhills Grizzlies of all time, Ronnie Jones Perry, had 10 kills and three sets for Team USA in an inter-squad scrimmage last night. There's another scrimmage tonight. Great experience for Jones Perry with Team USA. Yeah, nicely done, Ronnie. And I still want to know what a jet hawk is. Rise and shout. Time for What's Trending, brought to you by Ahern Rentals. Your next job is our priority. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. High risk, high reward, right? Independence in many ways was absolutely a high risk for BYU football. And what they hope is a high reward venture. Is it working? Some of you say yes. The rewards are great schedules, entertaining games week in and week out. Improved facilities, ESPN exposure, the money that comes from that. But then we bring up that discussion of, okay, well, harder schedules mean fewer wins. And so is the exposure and the harder schedule as good as winning as many games as BYU used to in the Mountain West? Ah, that's a fun conversation. What do you think? What do you think, BYU fans? Is independence the reward that you want? Which brings us to our Twitter question. Is independence working for BYU football? Use the hashtag BYUSN. At CL underscore living. Declaration for independence. We hold this truth to be self-evident that all games on ESPN are endowed with certain viewable (laughs) rights. Well said. Being on ESPN is fantastic. The schedules that BYU has lined up, man, that run of seven games decided by seven or less last year, that was incredible, right? You, You hoped BYU could be above 500 in those. But those are fun. The Having Wisconsin... In Provo this year, fantastic. So, yeah, there there are definitely certain parts that are working for BYU, absolutely. Now, we bring this up, and let's remind those that may have missed yesterday. Pete Futak of USA Today Sports and College Football News said, for now, life as an independent, speaking of BYU, is working. Then he said, it'll work even better if BYU can start 6-1 and one and really push that national uh, envelope. But, hey, Pete's a funny guy. If, big if, BYU can survive LSU, Utah, Wisconsin, Boise State, and Mississippi State, Sorry, the I'm, Furious Five. I'm sweating thinking about the those. The Furious guys. Five with just one loss and own the back half of the season. How do you leave the Cougars out of the national playoff? Okay, yes, in that instance, if BYU could do that, put on the blue goggles, independence would work, right? Blue goggle alert. Blue goggle alert. Some BYU fans are growing impatient because BYU took the risk, but the reward of breaking into the BCS didn't happen. Now Cougar fans want to break into the New Year's Six. It was supposed to be 2014, right, Jerem? That was going to be the that was That was going to be the reward payoff and of going into the Ryan Sweet happened twice. It's tough. It's tough. And I, I understand the impatience, but let's take a look at history. Some companies you may have heard of, Jerem. How about Google? Heard of it. Okay. The co-founders, Larry Page, Sergey Brin, they created it while they were college students. They almost gave it up in 1997 and sold probably it. probably should have. I think it was a mistake. They almost sold it for a million and a half bucks because it was a take, million dollars. Because it was taking too long to come to fruition. Yeah. Then they stayed with it. In 2006, they bought a little company called YouTube. Did that work out for them? Who uses YouTube? (laughs) 
us I every mi- day to Google. post our videos. Remember Google Video? <laughs> yeah. People that watch our they interviews got rid of on a daily basis product. on YouTube. Yeah, okay. The point is product. sometimes you have to be patient, and it's frustrating, right? Microsoft, in 2001, they decided to venture out video games. Okay, BYU football goes independent in 2011. A lot of you are like, what is happening? Why no, 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 would no. BYU no. do that? At the time, it made sense. People were cool with it. Not everybody. Not everybody. I would say the majority of the fan base was like, yeah, let's get out of the Mountain West. We don't need you. That was the general feeling at the time. Okay, well, I don't know. I don't know that it was. We have to ask each individual fan, right? It was new, so it was exciting. But was it the payoff? Was it not a risk going independent? It was a risk, right? No, but what was being risked? Not being not being, in, not being in a conference, and seven years later, now people saying we need to be in a conference to play for conference championship. How come we don't have access to the New Year Six? We don't have automatic bowl game tie-ins. I don't think this is at the forefront of the rhetoric for the fans. Okay, all right. Well, people were excited to go Indy. I'm, I'm people not were that, excited. I'm not saying they weren't excited, and they, I think they are excited. Don't you think still, Microsoft was excited to get in the video game genre in 2001 with the Xbox? But a bunch of people were like, "Good luck against PlayStation." Right? It worked out. It worked out, but it took time. The point is, it takes time. Harder games bring the number of wins down, and you got to bolster up recruiting. You got to learn how to deal with these new harder schedules on an annual basis that you choose to have. It's not like someone else put these on you. I think you're choosing. To I think do it's this. coming. That's the thing. My point is, I understand why fans are frustrated because, like, ah, oh, wait, double digit wins. Let's get ranked. I think it's going to happen soon, and I think that that payoff and that people will feel better about the reward. I think it's going to happen soon. Maybe not this year. Schedule a little less harder. Uh, you know, a little easier. Like 2018. Yeah, schedule a little easier, and then uh, you this plays into your hands. If Boise State had played the schedule that BYU plays, they wouldn't be Boise State. BYU in the 80s was BYU because they played in the WAC and were awesome, right? And they won a bunch of games and passed for a bunch of yards. Okay, so is BYU's in a Power 5 conference, it's not the same kind of legacy. Is it working, though? Is independence working versus that Boise State model? On the field? Yeah, you're getting good schedules. But eight, winning a eight or nine games is probably it, – it's, it's good. Don't get me wrong. Being good is better than being bad, obviously. But I think, yeah, BYU needs to validate every couple years what it's doing as a program with a 10-win year. We, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. BYU's not had this kind of six-year drought in a 10-win season since the 70s. So there is a little, I think, angst boiling under the surface in regards to, hey, let's get beyond this kind of eight- or nine-win mark. Last year, nine wins was fantastic in year one of Kalani Satake. Cranking it up to get a 10-win season, either this one with 13 regular season games or next year where the schedule isn't quite as tough as this one, would be nice. I'm licking my chops at 2018. But things don't always, shouldn't always necessarily take time. Some things, it's not always brisket. Sometimes it's popcorn. Like Gary Croton, the year after the legend Lavelle Edwards, wins his first 12 games. Well, he was handed Luke Staley, Brandon Doman, and Reno Mahe. We're going to talk to Sean Olmstead coming up. And his first two years with the men's volleyball team. National championship game. It doesn't always take time. We say, ha, it takes time if it's not working as quickly as we want it to work. There are certain things. Yes, things do take time. It takes time to build programs. But 
Kalani Sitake in his first five years as head coach, he's got to get a 10-win season. Okay, there. well, it's year number Bronco two. Bronco Mendenhall did it in year number it's two. Year, it's year number two. Went from six to 11. For Kalani Sitake. Let him have a senior quarterback, which he'll have, assuming Tanner Mangum comes back in 2018. With a schedule that's much more conducive to doing something Eric like Mika. that. He'd be undrafted. I'm telling you. It, it's, hap- it's going to happen soon. The validation is right around the corner. Also, game number one, right around the corner. Countdown to the Viking. 59 days. Kyle Whittingham was number 59, by the way. Not a coincidence we bring that up today. Hey, let's keep it rolling on Twitter. Use the hashtag BYUSN and join BYU Sports Nation. Is independence working for BYU football? Let's go to the Twitter machine. Tweet, tweet. At BYU Fanatics, overall, yes, great front-end games, back-end games, and no conference championship to play for kind of hurt if BYU loses a few. Just got to win, baby. Win. I think we need to be uh, careful to not celebrate the schedule more than the result of the schedule. Does that make sense? When I think in Independence, like, hey, look at this schedule. Winning in that schedule matters more than who you schedule. The schedule shouldn't be the number one flag we wave. Mr. Underscore Flintstone 94 says, Yes, ESPN brings in money and exposure to the big games we successfully scheduled. However, it's only a stepping stone to Power 5. Got to win. Coming up, head coach of BYU soccer, Brandon Gilliam, and another head coach. You may have heard of him, Sean Olmstead, Powerhouse BYU men's volleyball head man. What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation is brought to you by Ahern Rental. Your next job is our priority. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. And BYU Sports Nation is nationally simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Our conversation happening right now on Twitter. Follow our Twitter account at BYU Sports Nation. We're pushing 20,000 there. Use the hashtag BYUSN whenever you feel like talking with us. And you can always watch videos on demand. There's lots of ways to do this. One way is YouTube. Oh, yeah. Google bought YouTube, right, Jared? YouTube.com slash BYU TV Sports. We put all the interviews uh, we do on the show on YouTube. Check it out. Twitter question today is Independence working for BYU football at B Royal Blue Coog says it is, but only as much as training wheels help kids learn how to ride a bike. Eventually, they have to come off so the kid can grow. I don't know. These schedules are a lot of resistance on said bike. I think that that's a very difficult bike ride that BYU is dealing with. Bike ride that BYU has, if it has training wheels on it, is going uphill. It is like it's an advanced you're playing LSU Wisconsin, Utah, Boise State at Mississippi State. There's nothing easy about this. <laughs> I get what B Royal Blue Cougar is saying, but you know Notre Dame seems to be doing just fine as an independent with training wheels. If that's the case, right? Well, financially, competitively, no. Yeah, they have elite training. They're wheels. not. They're not one of the top twenty programs in college football anymore. Known as NBC Sports. Uh, joining us now is a man that continues to impress. In fact, Jerem brought him up as the guy that didn't have to wait a long time to be excellent, and that brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU men's volleyball's 2018 signing class, by the way, ranked number four by Volleyball Magazine. Number four. BYU, honestly, typically BYU's not this high, so this is great. And the head coach that put that recruiting class together's name is Sean Olmsted. Coach, welcome back to Studio B. Gentlemen, thanks for always having us. I don't see any neon. Well, I mean, 
I went old school. Look at these uh, retro kicks. They're I do pretty, like those. They're pretty sweet. And so I did it for you guys. I went. I looked in there, and I made sure I was well set. I was well prepared uh, for today. But, uh, yeah, I think it's important, you know, off uh, right on the record to recognize the, the assistant coaches and the work they do with the recruiting class. And uh, Jalen's out there all the time, you know, working uh, – the, we call it the, I think it's called in Hawaii, like the, uh, whatever, Pineapple Express. Some, you know, he's just constantly going, you know. With all, you know, was it? Okay, I don't know. Uh, and he does a great job there identifying those kids, working with those kids from a young age with the USA, the high performance. And uh, so that's, that's really important to recognize him and then be able to get those kids on campus. You get them to a BYU volleyball game where you've got Jerem on the mic. You've got, you know. That's just about the, as big as it gets. That, that's it. And just the crowd, the support from the BYU community, it's, you know, it, a lot of that sells itself. And so uh, I think it's important to recognize those people, you know, and, and all the support there. Typically, like I mentioned, BYU is not listed high in this because you get return missionaries that come back yeah. and go from there. So this is a little different. How much does that matter to you to be able to have a top five recruiting class? Uh, I mean, we want to identify the best uh, up-and-coming talent that we can. We can, And uh, so it's important to do that. And the recruiting ranking, you know, you always get into this. Just let's not start that discussion on four-star, three-star, two-star because we've seen – We've seen a handful of kids that were no star become all Americans, and we've seen the four star, five star become, you know, fizzle out or you know leave school or transfer to a smaller school, those kind of things. So, I mean, that's important to recognize these kids and their work and their talent. But I think in the end, you've got to get here. You've you've got to kind of you know strap it on. You've you've got to go out there and show your work ethic and and do those kind of things and 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 perform on the court and in the classroom and and do all the things that we ask uh, of these guys once they get on campus. Recruiting class in. Hopefully, you get some sort of a break, like over the Fourth of July. What is your schedule like during the summer now that the recruiting class is in and and you have some downtime? No, I mean, Will, uh, the last few years, actually, 4th of July is, does, is not a holiday for us because it's, it's the National uh, Junior Olympics. So we, uh, as a staff, will be in Columbus, Ohio. We've got all three of us Really? On the Back road. in Columbus? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's where the national tournament is, you know. And so volleyball has been, uh, hey, they deserve to host uh, that event, I guess. But I think, you know, what that shows is, They've put a lot of effort, and they've hosted the last two Final Fours, men's and women's, and they've put a lot of effort into hosting these junior events, the community, the, the city of Columbus. And so, you know, they deserve to host this if they're going to go out and put, the, you know, put uh, their city, you know, on, on center stage. And I had these grand visions of the Olmstead family celebrating the 4th of July with, like, this crazy firework display. <laughs> Rick on the grill. Uh, yeah, Rick on the grill, yeah. <laughs> you and Heather playing pepper. Yeah. Rick's in the corner kind of just stressing out, you know, he's, when everyone gets he's it. He's got a whistle, <laughs> yeah. you know, if there's any violation. Put the chicken, you know, right? He's got the yellow card right here. Hey, yeah, hey, hey, hey chicken's hey, cooked hey, too long hey. right there. <laughs> so. But you're watching volleyball, Yeah, man. no, I mean, we'll be there, and uh, so, I, you know, formally we didn't enjoy that event uh it's a great holiday what a wonderful holiday barbecue fireworks but i i always have a problem you watch these fireworks go and it's like oh there goes the dollar bill there goes the five dollar bill <laughs> you know it, it doesn't They're make expensive. total sense so i love i love when my neighbors really enjoy the fireworks show i like that i'll get into that uh-huh uh-huh so you're going back to columbus obviously the side of the final four in the national yeah. championship game and now that we're you know six or seven weeks removed from the national title game 
what, what are some of your thoughts about how the Final Four went for your team? You know, uh, I, I, I can finally, and I've had this discussion with a, with a handful of people recently, you know, within the last few weeks, actually. You know, you can look back, and it's, it's hard in that moment. I mean, you know, getting there, to me, isn't just, all right, we got here. Now, whatever happens, happens. I mean, we want to compete. We want to win the national championship, and n- nobody wants it more than our players, than our staff. And, uh, but looking back now, what a remarkable season these guys. I mean, nobody, you, coaches always say nobody knows what's going on inside. I mean, but those guys dealt with more adversity this season, uh, you know, and were able to overcome that through, you know, injuries and different things going on that were major, you know, major setbacks could be. But in each setback, somebody else stepped up. Somebody else, uh, you know, kind of took the opportunity to take over. And so what they did is remarkable. And what they, you know, they were playing. They were so confident. They were feeling, you know, that that match against Long Beach State. We don't want to just hold on to that forever. But they played uh, a wonderful volleyball game in that match. And, uh, you know, to be able to get to that position, it didn't go the way we wanted it to go. We understand that. But uh, looking back now, you can go, wow, what a remarkable season that those guys put together. The co-champions of the MPSF, tough. Op- I mean, you know, uh, there was the, the conference in general, you know, you know, it was so much better than last year. I think in, you know, across the board, mm-hmm. the competitiveness and everybody at the end of last season was like, wow, the MPSF is going to be so tough this next year for those guys to go do what they did. You know, it's a credit to them and you know, dealing with those, those things, adversity and making it through that. How long does it take you to get to that wide angle perspective after the initial loss in the national championship? Like, is there just like, I just need a month to like chill out and not yeah. about anything. How long does that take? No, I mean, that's a great question. And I've always been, uh, I've always been honest in every one of my questions to, you know, maybe to, you know, a little too honest at times, but I'll be this one was harder than any of the other ones. You know, I've been fortunate to be a part of the last three national championships. Um, This one took a lot longer for me personally, Um, you know, and and I've talked with the players and 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 our staff and, you know, everyone's reaction is going to be a little different. But this one took me a a little longer, you know, to just man uh, be in that point and that moment and to be able to try to just take that wide angle and, you know, take it all in after that loss. What do you think of the three former Cougars and two former players slash assistants yeah. you know, here at BYU with the World League team? That's pretty uh, cool to have five Cougars, and we talked to John Sprague yesterday on the show. Yeah, no, I mean, that's big time. And it's just, it it goes back to, you know, it's in a year where we, we lost Carl, who, who kind of uh, is BYU volleyball to all of us. And to just look at the impact that that pro, that the program is having on, you know, the the community, the volleyball community, and uh, it's a great accomplishment. What that team did, the USA volleyball team, to just be in this final six position with, you know, putting together a young squad. They knew what they were doing. Put together that young squad. They had, you know, Taylor kind of the Taylor almost became the veteran out there, you know, and uh, he did an outstanding job. And we've got the we've got some of our players that are. Uh, going to be back on BYU campus next year that are training every single day in the gym. So that's a wonderful opportunity for our program. Brendan Sander, Price German. Yep. 
Anyone else? Uh, no, uh, those guys right now yeah. that are training, yeah, that are training yeah. every day and hoping to make a roster for Pan Am Games, maybe Norseca, those kind of uh, competitions. How much time do you have to follow the uh, World League team, for example? Are you watching all of the matches? Because I mean, you're a busy guy. No, you know, uh, I was able to watch all of the USA matches. Um, I like to pay, I like to, I enjoy watching Brazil and some of those other teams, but you know, they were playing back in Europe, and so the time allowed me to watch them. Some of them were early in the morning, 7.30, you know, uh, first serve, 8 a.m., so we are able to watch those. We'll put them on in the office uh, when we were around and be able to watch those as well. And so I don't follow it nearly as closely as Luca. You know, he's so connected to that, you know, volleyball over there in Europe. He, he's connected with those coaches directly. You know, he's chatting he was with a them. national team coach. And he, that's what I mean. So he's got those relationships. He's texting those guys after matches and, you know, Hey, what happened? What's going on? And this and that. And he knows uh, he for sure keeps a, a closer tab than I do on, on that. So Jake Langlois, senior, graduates. Uh, ben Patch leaves after his junior year to go pro. Both are going to play in Italy, by the way. Yeah. Um, Tim Dobbert, a German, graduated, and he's going to leave as well. So yeah. you, got, you got an opening there at opposite. You got a second outside hitter spot. We talked about the number four recruiting class, but who are some of these guys who you think can come in and make an impact on next year's team? Yeah, you know, uh, we're happy for those guys, you know, Ben and signing a great contract over there, Jake and uh, Tim. Tim was, uh, you know, Tim was the one, uh, you know, we were expecting Tim to come back and excited about that, but completely understand his situation and he graduated uh, oh yeah he graduated he he, he was yeah he yeah. he's good and he's uh it was an opportunity that you know in reality he, he needed to take you know for for the situation and that that kid you know what a what a great young man and he waited and it texted me uh the night after the national championship in the hotel like hey you have a second to chat and um you know it, it was it was so hard for him to come over and talk but um it was just a great conversation that he and I had and uh, loved that kid and was just with him yesterday on campus. And he's around right now, you know, getting getting ready to go and graduate. Family's coming out for graduation. And so we've got, you know, we there's definitely shoes to fill because uh, Ben and Tim bring the, the experience. You know, going from that level, high school and club, to, you know, playing here at the university, that's a, that's a big jump. I don't think people understand that, you know, and, and the experience is always the master teacher. And so we're going to have some young guys that are going to be able to fill that role and they're going to get opportunity. They've got opportunities and the opportunities there. And so that's uh, what you present to these young men. And, you know, if I'm back in their shoes, I I'm, I'm excited. I'm chomping at the bit for that opportunity. What's the biggest question mark you face in terms of filling one of those key starting positions for the 2018 season? Yeah, I mean, definitely that position. You know, that, that's one of them. Uh, we've got guys with good experience um, at the other pin position, uh, some of our outside hitters, but definitely coming in, you know, that opposite in the, the value that, that, that is placed on that player in our system and uh, in the game, college volleyball and internationally, that's a that's a big time position, and so uh, that's going to be one of the biggest question marks. We've got you know we lost Joey in the middle. We've got Mickey playing World League stuff. He's getting a lot of good experience right now, and so uh, you know we're, there's going to be opportunities for those guys to play. All right, Sean Olmstead, the head coach of BYU volleyball, just wrapped up the fourth highest ranked recruiting class uh, in the 2017-2018 campaign. No yellow cards for uh, your barbecue on July 4th. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, yeah. No yellow if cards. Rick there we go. Say no. <laughs> no. No. Just no. go straight to red maybe. Yes. yes. <laughs>
<laughs> Great to have you with us, man. Thank uh, you guys. Try, always try and get some rest, some downtime, at uh, some point. We will. We will. Thank you guys. Party in Columbus. Yes. July fourth. <laughs> Watching World League. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Coming up. Second edition of 10 and 10, courtesy of Jerem Jordan, the top 10 defenses that BYU football will face in 2017. And we'll talk with another head coach, Brandon Gilliam of BYU Men's Soccer. Why is this weekend such a big deal, and how do the World University Games relate to BYU Men's Soccer? Welcome back, sports friends. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan hanging out in Radio Vision live on BYU Radio, simulcast on BYU TV. We are on demand anytime, anywhere. Just spoke with Sean Olmstead, the head volleyball coach at BYU. How long did it take him to process through the national championship loss to Ohio State? Fantastic stuff. Download the podcast. Do it. BYU TV, BYU Radio, free apps. Download it. Let's refresh today's BYUSN headlines. Athlon Sports ranked all 130 Division I coaches in college football. Kalani Satake comes in at... This is a forever drum roll. Number 70. Oh, they got the short one. Ed Orgeron at number 81. He's the LSU man in charge. Brian Harson, Boise State, 54. Paul Christ of Wisconsin at 31. Dan Mullen and Mississippi State, 19. And Kyle Whittingham at number 15. Jacob Bregman went 1-4-3 with a single and a 6-4 Oakland A's win versus the Houston Astros. That doesn't help my Mariners who lost to the lowly Phillies last night. The A's have won four games Come on. in a row. Jerem, are you worried they're going to catch the M's? Catch the M's? They'll pass the M's. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> Brennan Lund had a day on the diamond going 2-5 for five with a home run. Two runs, three runs batted in. Drew a walk in an Inland Empire's win over the Lancaster Jethawks. The home ah. run? Brennan's second of the season. BYU women's volleyball outside hitter and Copper Hill's great Ronnie Jones-Perry had 10 kills and three sets for Team USA in an inter-squad scrimmage last night. There's another scrimmage tonight. Keep it rolling, Ronnie. Joining us now, our second head coach of the show, Brandon Gilliam, in charge of BYU men's soccer. Coach, nice to have you back in Studio B. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. You've got some new digs of sorts out at Southfield. Uh, new natural playing surface. What's the number one benefit of having uh, that renovation at your disposal now? Oh, we, we've gotten two games on it now, and we just finished practice this morning on it. It's just, it's fantastic. It, uh, they went through, they redid all the drainage, so if there's any rainy days, we'll have a nice cleaner field, drains a lot smoother. Um, the surface, and keep it a little bit shorter grass, and it, it runs a lot smoother as well. And it, it's just perfect right now, so it's a blast. Did they level it a little bit? So more it had like a 3% grade going towards the stands. Now it's at a 1%. So it's still there, but it's not as noticeable. And uh, so it's a lot easier to play with. I thought it was an, a nice surface and a nice setup already, but there was a need to do this. I was kind of surprised mm-hmm. by that. Yeah, I mean, for soccer players, everything's on the ground, right? And so you want the field as nice as you possibly can make it. And so the the previous field was fantastic, um, but it was help, having trouble with recovering with uh, games and not coming back as quick, and uh, it was just time to get a new one. How much does that impact the actual pace of play and your player's ability to perform at the highest level? It actually impacts it quite a bit. You'd be surprised. I mean, we've had some games on the road where the grass is a little bit thicker, a little bit longer, and it slows it down a lot. Um, especially on your offensive attack when you play a through ball or a ball over the top. The thicker the grass, the faster it holds up. And so it's not realistic. When you play, uh, you could play a poor ball and it's still not going to go out of bounds because the grass holds it up, right? And so when you have a proper surface, um, the skill level has to increase, but the pace of the game also increases mm. as well. 
For those not familiar with BYU men's soccer, you're like a single-A or double-A baseball team of sorts yep. in U.S. soccer in the Premier Development League. Yep. Playing the Mountain Division. Let's see, you're 4-2-2, two, two, 10 points so far this season. How, how's the year going, and what's the squad like in 2017? Uh, the year's going well. Um, we've done really well, 4-2-2, two, two, with those two losses, both potentially being wins. We just didn't, didn't figure it out during those games, but... Um, um, and so the squad's doing well. We've had some hiccups with injuries, trying to stay fresh. Um, and now we're at the, the end of the stretch with six games left. Um, so now we kind of hit the, the meat of it all, right? We've started well. Now we've got to finish well. What's the projected record or how many points do you need to right. feel comfortable about getting into the playoffs? Usually, I mean, kind of throwing out an average, you've got to hit over 24. That's 24 points. 24. Okay. Right? And so you're looking at 10 right now. So we've got six games left. So that's a potential of 18 points on the line, right? So we need to take most all of them. They need some good coaching down the stretch. I think that's what they need. Right? <laughs> <laughs> this is year two for you forever. Yeah. Chris Watkins was the coach. Right. I helped call the games back in the day. Remember when you played, that. Um, and Chris was the coach, and you were an assistant. Now it's your program. What's mm-hmm. it like in year two? As we talk about Kalani Satake as year two. Yeah. You know, what's year two like for you? You know, you think it gets easier, and it doesn't at all. Just you find new challenges, right? Um, you come in. As an assistant coach, you always do whatever the head coach's ideas are, and you support them in that, but you always in the back of your head think, well, what would I do if I was in that position? How would I adjust things? And so year one, I adjusted some things, and some of them worked really well, and some of them didn't. And so year two, here we are again, I adjusted some things, and some are working really well. And then, you know, each year you have to evaluate how you're doing and make adjustments. Um, but the nice thing is those thoughts that you have of how to adjust things, you get to do it. You get to throw it forward. I th- you should just ask, what would Brock Trejo do? I, I think that's really <laughs> the governing principle, right? We do have his captain's uh, armband on set. It's with still us up here. there, huh? So, yeah, Brock Trejo. What's up, Brock? Love one it. of the greatest players. Shout out to uh, some Besides small, the Gilliam brothers. One of the small players <laughs> oh, in Oregon, yes. Yeah. Uh, okay, Coach, moving from year one to year two, yep. do you feel – more comfortable in your role and if so why do you feel more comfortable um i I think it goes back to the the question i just said was you wonder what you'll do right and so the first year um it's building trust with the players i mean as a head coach that's more important than anything you do is having them trust you right you step in year one and no matter what you do people are still wondering well how are you gonna do yeah right and so on year two, I think uh, you build a lot more trust with the players. They respect you more. They see things that you've come forward with, your ideas, and they see things work, and they say, okay, right? His ideas are working. We'll, we'll follow them, and we'll, we'll be committed to it. Whereas year one, they're just kind of like, well, will this work or not? And so like this year, we, we did something we've never done, which was change our formation to a 3-5-2, um, and we've never played a back three. And so at the beginning of the year, the, the players were very much like, um, are you sure? <laughs> but now they love it, and it's fantastic, and we're doing very, very well in that formation. The World University Games are a cool experience that ha- I think happen every – is it every year or every couple of years? Every two years, like the Olympics. Every two years. Yeah. And you and some BYU players are involved in this. Tell it's us about true, that. yeah. So the World University Games are held this year in uh, Taiwan. Um, and men's soccer hasn't sent a team since 97. And the reason being is because the games are for college athletes only. So it's like the Olympics, but you have to be a college. You have to be a degree-seeking student, right? And so most of the time it's end of July, beginning of August, somewhere in there, and all college teams are kicking off under NCAA seasons 
first of August. So they haven't seen a team in, since 97. So our situation is we finish up in middle of July, end of July, and the games kick off August 14th. And so um, myself has been invited to be the head coach. And so um, the best players available are my players, right? <laughs> Most all of the college players are kicking off. And so a lot of us get at that oppor- have that opportunity to go out and represent as USA and uh, represent our country, which is awesome. That's pretty cool. You're going to be the Team USA head coach at a university, the World University game. Yeah. That's legit, man. Yeah. Wow. It's exciting. Wow. Yeah, very cool. We enjoyed watching Tyler Hodge a few years ago in that. Uh, right. Jack Walker, Walker ran in that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, I, I think Jeff Judkins went to this as a player out of U- at Utah, and he roomed with Larry Bird at the World Yeah, University pretty game. cool stuff. Yeah. Brandon Gilliam, the head coach of BYU men's soccer with us and also the coach of Team USA at the uh, World University Games. BYU against Colorado Rapids U23 team on yeah. Friday and Saturday. You've called it a huge weekend. Both games will be strive, uh, streamed live on YouTube. Why do you feel like this is a uh, quote-unquote huge weekend? Right. So I said we've got six games left. We just had a week off. Usually right in the middle of the season, we try to take a week off. It's a long season for us. We start in January with trainings. And so uh, we try to take that week off. So we're now back at it, right? And six games left, and we need as many points out of that as we can. And so this is kind of the start of the end of it. Um, And also this is kind of... Uh, one of our bigger weekends with Stadium Fire going on. Saturday night, we always turn out our lights after the game so you can watch the fireworks from our, from our field. And so it's just a big weekend for us to make sure we pull off the wins that we need, um, also to get good crowds out, have some fun, and make sure the players are excited for the rest of the season. All right, Brandon, great stuff, my friend. Uh, good luck in the Thank World you. University Games. And Thank you. Uh, first yeah. and foremost against uh, the Colorado Rapids under-23 team on Friday and Saturday. Again, those games streamed live on YouTube. If you can't get out to Southfield to watch that and see the Cougars on that new playing surface, uh, there are other options for you. Coach, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma as well. Okay, first I got tickets for you guys, right? Oh, nice. so each time oh, yeah. we come out, we got to bring something, right? Yeah, yeah. So you. those are tickets. we got four home games left. Nice. You guys come out. Make sure you're there. Thank uh, you. I'd love to have you. Appreciate it. Fantastic so, stuff. All right, BYU been, men's soccer. I've been involved with these guys since 06. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> come hang out. You've been giving I them said the, it right after I get something. You've been giving something. them the <laughs> karma yeah. since 2006, yeah. right, Jaron? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And the 06, 07 teams, those are two of the best ever. Yeah. Those were good teams. Great stuff. Brandon, thanks so much. Good luck Thank this you. weekend. Appreciate it. Our Twitter question today is Independence working for BYU football at King Sharf tweets in in the first nine seasons. We'll have 17 Power 5 teams visit Provo. Makes it easy to sell season tickets. Oh, absolutely. Do, do you think when Brandon hears the Twitter question, he thinks BYU soccer? We said BYU Because we said football, football. is independent. So you, th- you think we're oh, talking about soccer? And soccer kind of is independent, right? They're in the, the PDL. Yeah. They're in a conference of sorts, the Western <laughs> Conference. <laughs> Stay with us. The top 10 defenses BYU football will face this season. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan live from the studio. Bizzle, this is your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. Watch our daily rebroadcast weeknights on BYU TV starting at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And speaking of on-demand, in case you missed it, the BYU Lavelle Edwards coaching tree was fantastic last Friday on BYU Football Media Day. You can watch it on the BYU TV app right now if you'd like. Twitter question today is Independence working for BYU football at CPA underscore Coog tweets in yes, because through Independence, 
BYU has ESPN. And for the time being in the college football world of networks, that is the key. Exposure, money, very good things that come about because of independence. Absolutely. If coupled with winning, that's the ultimate, right? Winning is the most important thing in all of this. Winning the right way is a close second. Being seen winning, I think, is very important as well. Playing good schedules, that's also important. But winning is the most important thing. We outlined, More important than being seen to me. We outlined the high risks involved with going independence because you're not in a conference. The late season comes about. You lose a few games early. It's like, you could, you could have a bad schedule at the yeah. end, which BYU did initially, but that has improved. Right? When and how does the high reward payoff come about, or has it already come about? Continue to send in your tweets using the hashtag BYUSN for the second Second time in as many weeks, it's time for Jerem Jordan and his 10 in 10. 10. 10 lists, top 10 lists in 10 weeks. This is week two of BYU football opponents. Let's get defensive, shall we? Let's go. So defenses out. Portland State, UNLV, East Carolina. Number 10, Hawaii. Not often is Hawaii known for its defense, and it's not. It's 10th in this list. The Rainbow Warriors return six starters, including senior safety Trayvon Henderson, 90 tackles, three picks. Jelani Tavai is a beast, 129 tackles. 19 and a half for loss. Fifth defensive coordinator in five years on the island. Mm. This was one of the worst 15 defenses nationally in points and yards last year. They gave up 6.4 yards per play. They're bad. This is not a good defense. This is my number one trap game for BYU. Even though this is the 10th rated defense, according to Jerem Jordan, this is a sneaky game over Thanksgiving. Watch out for Hawaii looking to make a big improvement. Number nine, UMass. UMass stinks, but the defense just picked up Western Michigan defensive coordinator Ed Pinkham, mm. who helped the Broncos get to the Cotton Bowl. That defense with Western Michigan held three Big Ten teams to a total of 55 points last year, including Wisconsin. The Minutemen weren't ready last year. Gave up 35 points, 452 yards per game. Opponents completed 64% of their passes. Senior Deshaun Downey, team high six sacks. He's back. Steve Casale, 105 tackles, eight for loss. If you always saw this team, that defense wasn't good. They're number nine. Now, I was surprised when I saw UMass ahead of Hawaii until both bad. I heard that little <laughs> nugget about Ed Pinkham coming over from Western Michigan. And the Wisconsin, yeah, the, the, he coached them up against Wisconsin. Number eight, Utah State. Eight returning starters led this group. They gave up 29 points a game, 380 a game. The good, the entire secondary returns. They were 11th in the country, 177 pass yards allowed per game. You remember safety Dallin Levitt? He leads the group. He's the leading returning tackler, 57 tackles. The bad, only 10 turnovers forced last year. Only three teams were worse in college football. The majority of those starters coming back for Utah State, and you have them at number eight. Wow. Because they were pretty bad, except for that secondary. Number seven, San Jose State. New head coach Brent Brannon hired Derek Odom. No relation to Lamar to run his defense. These guys allowed 35 a game. 247 a game on the ground. Playing Air Force in New Mexico didn't help those numbers. Uh, luckily, Andrew Chasher is a baller on the back end of that defense. I'm just glad BYU doesn't have to play San Jose State in San Jose because every time the Cougars go there, something super weird happens. This game in Provo. Number six, Fresno State. New defensive coordinator Orlando Steinauer inherits a team that gave up 30 a game in its last, or 30 total in its last two games, so they have a little momentum. He changed the scheme to a 4-3, stocked up on interior linemen, but four of the top seven tacklers are gone. Yet, the Bulldog pass defense, number five nationally, Ooh. at 168 a game. Rush defense was terrible, though, 247 a game, sixth worst. Steinauer spent the last four years in the CFL with the Hamilton Tiger Cats, where they were good at takeaways. Now, just maybe the Bulldogs are a sneaky 
game on the road. Mentioned San Jose State's at home. Fresno State with a pretty good defense, at least part of it, there at number six. San Jose and Fresno State defend the pass well. Number five, Boise State. Broncos gave up 23 a game. That's a good number. Less than 390 uh, in yards a game. Yet, Boise State created a mere nine turnovers last year, seven of which were interceptions. Nine's the fewest in school history. The top three linebackers out of spring haven't started a game before. Uh, and three of the four in the secondary, brand new. Broncos coming to Provo, so except, expect something special like the last two games in Cougarton. And only nine turnovers compared to how many for BYU? Like 31. 31? 31. Yeah, think about that. We're into the Furious Five, people. Number four, Mississippi State. Seven returning starters for new defensive coordinator Todd Grantham, who comes from Louisville and Georgia. 110th in total defense last year, but held BYU to 21 points in regulation before losing to OT. In OT, emerging stars Jeffrey Simmons on the D-line, linebacker Leo Lewis, they could wreck havoc. Mississippi State, to me, is maybe, maybe the most difficult game on the schedule because it's a true road game. They've got SEC talent on the defense, but they gave up a ton of yards last year. Number three, Utah. The Utes and their Pepsi cans had as many takeaways as BYU last year, 31, second nationally, 18 picks, number six in sacks a game. They lost a lot, a, lot, a lot of draft picks, three in fact, but Morgan Scally's crew expects to be good. They insert Jalen Johnson, a 4-4, six-foot speedster, replace uh, Marcus Williams on the back end, and then Marquise Blair is a Juco transfer linebacker. They expect to be a baller. Wow, Utah loses that many guys, still number three. That's the kind of product they have going up on the hill. Absolutely. Number two, LSU. There's a reason this defense has produced an average of four NFL draft picks since 2011 per year. 6'6", 238-pound QB nightmare Arden Key is back after a leave of absence in the spring. He led the SEC in sacks per game. Five-star enrollee Jacoby Stevens adds to DBU as a safety. Coordinator Dave Aranda, by the way, highest-paid assistant college uh, football coach. He's played against BYU at Hawaii, Utah State, and Wisconsin as a D.C. He knows how to defend the Cougars. Okay, so reading all of that, why is LSU not number one? Because Wisconsin is number one. <laughs> the Badgers returned six starters from a defense that gave up only 15 a game. Top 10 in scoring defense, rush defense, total defense. New defensive coordinator, though, Jim Leonard. Former player, 10-year NFL vet, was the secondary coach last year. He gets the upgrade after one year. Only Wisconsin and Alabama have limited opposing offenses to less than five yards per play in each of the last five seasons. That is why Wisconsin is number one. Wow, new defensive coordinator, yet you feel Wisconsin will have the edge over a team like LSU. Yes, Wisconsin defensively, lights out. They are, they are replacing T.J. Watt, younger brother of J.J. Watt, and then Vince Beagle. Of course, Rocky played at BYU. That was his son, Vince. BYU connection. Our Twitter question today is independence working for BYU football. Well, they've got quite the schedule, and they will face some really good defenses that Jerem just outlined. I think like 10 of those defenses aren't super great. At R. Greenhouse tweets in, yes, independence is working. It could work better. We're setting ourselves up for enormous success. Just have to beat the big team. Therein lies the key. Coming up, Cougar Whip Around. Which former Cougar is making a splash on his NFL roster? BYU Sports Nation is brought to you in part by DexterLaw.com for help when you need it most. Thanks to today's guests, men's volleyball coach Sean Olmstead and BYU men's soccer coach and coach of Team USA in the World University Games, Brandon Gilliam. If you missed any of today's show, download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Let's whip it! 
It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Football. Athlon Sports ranked all 130 coaches in college football. Kalani Satake, number 70. Ed Orgeron, number 81 at LSU. Brian Harson, Boise State, 54. Paul Christ, Wisconsin, 31. Dan Mullen, Mississippi State, 19. And Kyle Whittingham of Utah at 15. Cougars in the major leagues. Jacob Brugman went one for three with a single and a six to four Oakland A's win over a very good Houston Astros team. A's won four in a row. Cougars in the minors. Brendan Lund had a day on the diamond going two for five with a homer, two runs, three RBIs, and a walk in an Inland Empire 66ers win over the Lancaster Jethawks. The home run was Brennan's second of the season. Jacob Hanneman, two for four with a run and a stolen base in a triple A Iowa Cubs win over the New Orleans Baby Cakes. Have you seen the mascot? Baseball. Have you seen the mascot? No. You will never sleep again. <laughs> Daniel Schneemans uh, went two for four in a loss for the St. Cloud Rocks versus the Euclid Express. I don't know how to say that. It's Schneemans' third multi-hit game of the summer. <laughs> These names are incredible. Euclid. Volleyball. <laughs> Your French is excellent. So bad. Tony Parker. <laughs> Rudy Gobert. <laughs> Isn't it Gobert? Gobert. BYU outside hitter Ronnie Jones-Perry had 10 kills in three sets for Team USA in an inter-squad scrimmage last night. There is another scrimmage slated for tonight. Copper Hill. Cougars in the NFL. Undrafted free agent Michael Davis was featured in an L.A. Times article documenting his quest to make the L.A. Chargers roster. Defensive coordinator... Gus Bradley likes Davis's length and speed. Hard not to like that speed when it's sub 4-4. Four, four. Yeah. Man. Today's Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter Health. When you need the most, DexterLaw.com. Who deserves it, Jerem? It goes to Daniel Schneeman for taking down the Eau Claire Express. <laughs> is, it, is it Eau Claire? Oh, Eau yeah. Claire. Yeah. Okay. I have no idea. Eau Claire. <laughs> I don't know or care. Is Independence working for BYU football? I don't know or care. How do the folks at Euclid feel about that? At G Hansen 25 tweets in, yes, because BYU is getting more exposure than they did in the Mountain West Conference, and the schedule is usually better. You've told me things that aren't about winning. What's the the point thing's winning? Come on. Those matter too. Exposure is fantastic. At Roland Hall with our elite tweet of the day. Yep, in the way that dating is working in a Provo Young Single Adult Ward. It's fun and all, but you know they all want something more. Hashtag P5 marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Audio podcast on iTunes. Check it out. For Jeremiah Spencer, shout out to Doug Rawlinson. We'll see you tomorrow.